I want to invite you to take your Bible, and we're going to go to the book of John, John chapter 10. Let's stand. We're going to go to the book of John, John chapter 10, and I want to call your attention to verse 10. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said these words. He said, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. And folks, that's what the enemy wants to do in our lives. That's what the enemy wants to do in your life. That's what the enemy wants to do in my life. And we have an enemy. I want you to understand that. You have an enemy, an enemy that wants to destroy. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your influence. He wants to destroy your health. He wants to destroy you emotionally. We have an enemy, folks. Our en enemy, your enemy is not the person seated across you. Your enemy is not your boss. Your enemy is the devil. Your enemy is the devil. And we have this enemy. And he's come and he wants to steal and he wants to kill and he wants to destroy. But this is what Jesus said. He said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. <laughs> Jesus said, I, I didn't just come so you could have life. <laughs> I, I didn't come just so you could survive. I didn't come so you could just get through. I came that you might have abundant life. I want to take a few moments and I want to talk to you about how to have an up life in a down world. How to have an up life in a down world. Do you realize, folks, that the Bible is very clear in this? The Bible is very clear that the devil, Satan, Lucifer, is the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says this, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So unequivocally, ladies and gentlemen, Satan is the God of this world. Our heaven's not here. <laughs> Satan's the God of this world. But do you realize, folks, we can have victory even in this world <laughs> because 1 John 4 and 4 says this, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you know what that tells us, folks? That tells us that the devil is no match for God. <laughs> the devil is no match for God. And God is inside of us. So greater is he that's inside of us than he that's in the world. And this being graduation Sunday, I began to think about what could I share that perhaps would help graduates? What would, what would be some points I could share I thought about when Sir Winston Churchill received an honorary doctorate from a school. He and another gentleman received an honorary doctorate, and they was both going to get the degree and both going to speak. Actually, it was from Yale. And the gentleman received his before Winston Churchill, and he said, I want to take that acrostic, Yale, and I want to speak about it. And he spent about 20 minutes talking about youth, he spent about 30 minutes talking about attitude. And he spent about 20 minutes talking about love. 
He spent about 30 minutes talking about excellence. And then Sir Winston Churchill came to the podium. And Sir Winston Churchill started out by saying, I'm grateful we're not graduating from the California Institute of Technology. <laughs> but I began to think about, what would I say to, to graduates? Barbara, I was leaving home this morning. She said, what are you preaching about? And I began to tell her. And she said, that's not just a message for graduates. That's a message that every person needs to appropriate into their lives. I said, you're exactly right. But I began to think about how can we be an up person, folks? How can we be an up person in a down world? Let me give you nine quick points. I know what you're thinking. I hope they're quick. Anyway, <laughs> number one, wake up. Wake up. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about waking up every day with the right attitude. So many things in life we can't change. So many things in life that we can't control. But the Bible tells us this in Philippians 2 and 5. Let this mind or let this attitude be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. I say to everyone, every person here, let me, let me share something right quick. Just because you've accepted Christ, just because you're a believer, just because you're a church member doesn't mean you get a good attitude. Some of the most negative people I've ever met have been in the church. You've heard it a thousand times, but I've met people in the church that are so negative, if they walked into a dark room, they'd develop. Amen? I mean, they're just so negative. I love the story about the mother and daughter that were out shopping one day at Belk, and they walked into the store, and the mother looked over at the daughter and said, Honey, did you see that dirty look the salesman gave me as we came into the store? And the daughter said, Mom, that salesman didn't give you that dirty look. You had it before you came in. <laughs> well, I do believe this. Life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. It's 10% what happens to me and 90% how I re react. Is it possible to have success without a good attitude? Is it possible to have success without a good attitude? And the answer is yes. But your attitude will determine how much you enjoy the success. What I'd say to every person what I'd say to a young person starting out in life, there's so many things you can't control, but you can control your attitude. And I learned a long time ago, if you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win, but you think you can, it's almost certain you won't because life's battles don't always go to the stronger, faster man. But sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. So I'd say wake up with the right attitude. There's a second thing I'd say this morning. Not only wake up, but I'd say dress up. <laughs> dress up. I want to ask you something. I want to wake you up this morning. I'll ask you something. How many of you are interested in money? How many of you are interested in money? Now, one of my heroes was a man by the name of Zig Ziglar. And Zig Ziglar said this. He said some great things. Zig Ziglar said, if a man or woman 
tells you they're not interested in money, they'll lie about other things also. I love this. This is what old Zig said. He said, money won't make you happy. <laughs> but everybody wants to find out for themselves. Amen? <laughs> this is what Zig said. He said, money isn't the most important thing in life, but it's reasonably close to oxygen. <laughs> now, when I said, how many of you are interested in money? And I said, dress up. Here's what I want to say today. I want to say it to graduates. I want to say it to all people. How you look matters. How you look matters. You say, what are you talking about? According to a recent study, the way we look has a direct bearing on our paycheck. Researchers analyzed employment data from 7,000 adults. They divided the group according to looks and then compared what those working similar jobs in each category were paid. Those who were below average in appearance earned less than those rated average. Those who rated average earned less than those who were rated above average. Appearance includes many things. The style and neatness of your clothing, the shine of your shoes, the crease in your shirt, the choice of colors, and a host of other things affect your appearance, the way you fix your hair, your makeup, and all elements of your personal grooming make a contribution. However, the biggest factor is the smile on your face, followed closely by an good attitude, and a sense of humor. Years ago when I started preaching, an older pastor said to me, Brother Benny, always remember, they see you before they hear you. And I'd say to young people, your appearance does matter. Your appearance does matter. Let me tell you, I'm an employer. With our school and our church, I think 133 people are employed at Rock Springs. But here's what I say. If a young man walks up and his pants look like he's wearing a loaded diaper. No, no, no. He's not going to get a job here. If a young lady walks up and she doesn't have enough clothes on to make a squirrel a bathing suit, she's not going to get a job here. You okay out there? I'm trying to say, ladies and gentlemen, I know different, different occupations, uh, you know, require different dress, but I'm saying all I'm trying to get you to realize, young people, is your appearance does matter because people see you before they hear you or anything else. What I'm preaching to young people, mom and daddy, you ought to be preaching to them. Amen, Benny. <laughs> Wake up. Dress up. Show up. Show up. You say, well, what, what are you talking about? I'm talking about showing up every day and working hard. 
I'm talking about showing up every day and working hard. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, But if any provide not for his own, especially those of his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. How many of you, how many of you have been going to graduations? A few of you? I went to a few. You hear me? Do you know, do you know why they wear that gown? It, you, you, you know, when, when they graduate, they, they wear that gown. The, the origins go back to ancient Greece. That gown is symbolic of a robe of sackcloth. It's symbolic of working attire. You know, that cap, you know why that cap's made the way it's made? It's symbolic of a mortarboard. It's symbol. Oh yes, you, you do your research on it. It's symbolic of a mortar board. That is, you put mortar, and you work. What that graduation is symbolic of, you have worked, and if you continue to have success in life, it will be because you do work. Because Genesis three and nineteen says, "In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread." See, teach a man. Here's, here's where America's missed it. You teach a man his rights, and you have a revolution. You teach a man or woman their responsibility, and you have a revival. And we've spent our time teaching people their rights when we ought to have been teaching people their responsibility. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, show up, and we work hard every day. A young man 25 years ago graduated, and he went back to his principal, and he said that to that principal. He said, you had a profound impact on me. Your words were inspirational. And that principal said, I couldn't even remember the boy. He said, but your words were such an inspiration. He said, son, that means so much. But what did I say that was such an inspiration to you? He said, it was when you handed me my diploma. He said, well, what did I say? He said, you shook my hand. And you said, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. <laughs> and he said, that's what's caused me to be a success. I've kept moving, I've kept moving, I've kept moving. What it caused you to become a success is keep moving, keep moving. And keep moving. See, we wake up. We dress up. We show up. And this seems hard, but I had to stay with the up. This seems harsh. I wouldn't really. I, we tell our children not to say this. Shut up. <laughs> and what I mean, I, I, I could change it and just say maybe be quiet. But what I'm talking about, Ephesians 4 and 29 says this, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. We need to shut up the negativity. We need to shut up the gossip, the complaining, the naysaying, the insults, the lying, the bragging, the profanity. Did you know... 75% of people every day, I mean three out of every four people every day in America, encounter profanity. 
Three out of every four. Now, when I hear a person just doing that over and over, uh, that tells me uh, they're shallow as pond water. That tells me they have no vocabulary. One preacher said, uh, he said, when I hear a word of profanity, I just get a cold chill up my spine. One little boy said, Pastor, it's a good thing you wasn't in my house yesterday. Said, because my daddy hit his thumb with a hammer and you would have froze to death. <laughs> Folks, I'm going to give you a challenge. I'm going to try to take the challenge. What about for the next 24 hours we, we make a challenge that we're not going to say anything negative? For the next 24 hours. Now, wait. If a man can't go 24 hours without a drink, we know he's an alcoholic. If a person can't go 24 hours without a cigarette, they're addicted to nicotine. Folks, if we can't go 24 hours without saying something negative about somebody, what does that say about us? Just a thought. Wake up, dress up, show up, shut up. <laughs> Give up. Give up. See, it has nothing to do with an amount. Do you know who the wealthiest American is that has ever lived? The wealthiest American who's ever lived. I'll tell you who it is. It's John D. Rockefeller. And this is what John D. Rockefeller said. He said, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was a dollar and 50 cents a week. <laughs> I want you to know something, folks. Takers never have enough, but givers always have more than enough. Luke 6 and 38 says, Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall be given into your bosom. I'm talking about of your resources. I'm talking about of your time. I'm talking about of your personality. I'm talking about of your uh, relationships. I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, don't approach life that I want to take. Approach life I want to give. Wake up, dress up, show up, shut up, give up. I'll tell you one more. Stand up. You say, what are you talking about? Stand up for what's right. William Penn says right is right, no matter who's against it. And wrong is wrong, no matter who's for it. You weren't called to fit in. You were called to stick out. And if you're always following the crowd, you'll never be followed by a crowd. I remember a young lady saying to me one time, she said, Pastor Benny, they say derogatory things about me at school. I said, honey, what kind of derogatory things? And, and let me tell you something. Children can be so cruel. Children can be so cruel. Yes, adults can too. I said, honey, what do they say cruel about you? She said, they call me names. They call me things like, you virgin. You virgin. I said, well, honey, that's an honor. 
That's an honor. It's an honor to keep yourself pure and do what's right. That's an honor. She said, well, what, what, what do you recommend to do? I said, listen, if they're too hard on you and these girls are sleeping around with everybody, I said, you just tell them. Anytime I want to become like you, I can. But you can never become like me. Let me tell you something, young ladies. Let me tell you something. You and young men, keep yourself pure. Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself pure. You'll never regret that. Young girls said, well, he's pressuring me. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. He's pressuring me. Get rid of him. He says everybody's doing it. Good. He won't have any problem finding somebody else. Get rid of him. <laughs> I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, we live in a world where nothing's wrong anymore. You can't even pray, oh, Brother Benny might offend somebody. We don't want Brother Benny to preach. He might offend somebody. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, great peace have they which love the law, and nothing shall offend them. Listen, I'm not going to be a church. It's just going to, everything's okay. This is okay. That's okay. No, God has standards, and God's standards have not changed for anyone. Brookings Institute said this. There's a 92% chance that you'll never be in poverty. A 92% chance that you'll never be in poverty if you do three things. You don't want your children in poverty. I don't want my daughter in poverty. Going to Vanderbilt's about put me in poverty. <laughs> you don't want your children in poverty. But there's three things if they'll do, they'll never be in poverty. Number one, graduate high school. Graduate high school. Number two, get a job. Number three, wait till you get married to have children. Number seven, if we're going to be an up person in a down world, this is so important. You got to fess up. You got to fess up. Now, here's something I want you to see, folks. 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You're good people. You're wonderful people. But listen to what Proverbs says. For a just man, that's you. You're a just man. You're a good man. You're a just woman. You're a good woman. For a just man or woman, <laughs> falleth seven times and riseth up again. What does that say? It says this, folks. Here's what I would say to a person. I'm not talking about your relationship, but I'm talking about your communion and fellowship with God. And if you're going to have a good relationship with God, young people, because you made a mistake, because you sinned, that doesn't mean you're doomed for all eternity. It doesn't mean we've all messed up. You've heard it a bunch of times. There's so much bad in the best of us, and there's so much good in the worst of us, it hardly behooves any of us to talk about the rest of us. We've all messed up. Pastor on down. Pastor on down. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm grateful that I can go to God and say, God, I did mess up. 
God, I sinned. I was so wrong, and I ask you to forgive me, and I'm right back in fellowship with him. I'm right back in fellowship with him. So I'd say in your life, and I, let, me, let me throw this. Well, I'm not, this is not the message. But you're going to have to fess up with that mate too. If you want your marriage to sizzle with love in the loving cup, whenever you're wrong, admit it, and whenever you're right, shut up. <laughs> Let me tell you, you know, you know who the most mature person is in your marriage? You say, we're here together, Brother Benny. Who, who is the most mature person in our marriage? We're, we're here together. We've been together a long time. Oh, that's easy. I can, I can tell you that quickly. The most mature person in your marriage is the one who's quickest to apologize. The most mature person in the marriage is always the one who's quickest to apologize because, see, that person has realized what's right is more important than who's right. And what's right is the marriage being in harmony. You can't even get your prayers answered if the marriage is not in harmony. Amen, Benny. Can't even get your prayers answered if your marriage is not in harmony. Man, this is good preaching. This I'm going to get this CD. Anyway, <laughs> number eight. Boy, this can go, I mean, it just, just, just goes right in. It. I mean, this just goes right into marriage. Grow up. <laughs> Grow up. What are you talking about? Take off the bib and put on an apron. <laughs> Take off the bib and put on an apron. See, folks, we're young people. <laughs> You're only young once, but you can be immature for a lifetime. You're only young once, but you can be immature for a lifetime. Think about what 1 Peter 2 and 2 says. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. 2 Peter 3 and 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look what 1 Corinthians 13 and 11 says. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I thought as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Grow up. Number nine, and it's last. Look up. Look up. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. How can we be an up person in a down world? Let me tell you something, folks. They're going to have to be constant times of looking up. You know, I, I realized something. God gave the ramifications for building the ark. They were in the ark over a year. There was only one window in the ark, right in the roof. God was saying, don't you look ahead of you. Don't you look back here. Don't you look out at what's going on. You just look to me. That's why I put that ark, that window in the very top of it. See, folks, we're going to be faced sometimes with important decisions. Did you ever think about the important decision Jesus made? He was going to put 12 men around him. 
he had to make a decision concerning people. And you know what I noticed in Luke chapter 12 and 13? Before he made that decision, he prayed all night. He prayed all night. He realized it was a real important decision. And he gave a lot of prayer time to it. Prayed literally all night. I believe there's a message there. When we don't know what to do, we look up. When Jesus was under great stress, folks, when he, when he was just stressed out, stressed out, till literally he was stressed out and his sweat became his great drops of blood. Medical field says that tiny capillaries in the sweat, sweat glands will burst when a person's under intense pain. But when he was stressed out and he didn't know what to do, he prayed. First thing in the morning, according to Mark 1 and 35, he'd just get up real early in the morning before anything else kicked off, and he'd go into a solitary place, and he'd pray. I don't have all the answers, but I'm 52, and I do know this. Life's not going to be all peaches and cream. And when you don't know what to do, the answer is to look up. Abraham Lincoln said, I've been driven to my knees by an overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My wisdom and all about me seemed insufficient in the day. There'll be a time that your wisdom and all about you will seem insufficient. And you don't know what to do. And what do we do? We just look up because we need the Lord. The older I get, the more I realize, folks, we need the Lord. We're not smart enough. We're not gifted enough. We don't have all the answers. Education's just a progressive discovery of how ignorant we really are. We need the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we don't know what to do, we just look up. Look up when our emotions are just at our wits end. We look up when we're in a depression and we can't seem to get out. We look up when our marriages are not going well. We look up when we're faced with a decision and we really don't know what to do. You say, well, I've talked to the pastor. That's not enough, folks. That's not enough. We need to talk to God. We need to talk to God. We need direction from him. I don't know what to do. You look to him. The doctor's report's not good. What do we do? We look to him. We look to him. Just know he'll get us through. It's his sovereignty that will help us keep our sanity just look to the Lord. And he wants us to look to him. Psalms 116 says he inclines his ear. When I pray or when you pray, he leans in. Wonder how many times in my life he's leaned in and thought I hadn't heard from you in a while. So good to hear from you.
glad you looked up. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.